our mission is to keep the tradition alive. It's up to us. It's our responsibility. Who else is going to do it? Hello, and welcome to episode 210 of the Redbox Report, the weekly movie podcast where we review the latest Blu-rays and DVDs for Redbox. I'm your host, Bob Fallon, and to be honest, I've got an oldie but goodie back with me this week, Casey Brady. How's it going? It's going pretty well. You forgot to double tap. I am back. (laughs) Once again. I'm not sure what that means, but I am so happy to have you back. You didn't like Zombieland? Oh, yeah. See, I... before Man, we st- I, thought, I thought this was a movie podcast. Before we started, we were talking about our memories, and yeah, I have poor memory when it comes to, like, lines from movies, so... Uh, oh, oh. I always thought you re- like you would recite lines. I'm not a line guy. <laughs> I, I usually can remember, like, actors' names and character names, but... Not even that on the podcast sometimes. Understandable. Yeah. Well, I am back and back. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> back and back, baby. <laughs> back and back. I am back and better than ever. Yes, you I know. am so interested to see how your two years of uh, life experiences, you've been traveling the world, taking in all kinds of cultures. I want to see what, what you're able to bring back to the podcast. Oh, you'll see. <laughs> uh should are are you back for good? What, let's let these people in on on what's going on. Uh, I should let you in on it. Right? <laughs> That's also what I was getting um, at. Uh, I don't know. Uh, at least for the next couple weeks, I am back. At least for the next three weeks, um, and we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll play it by ear. You know, we got a nice stable of reliable co-hosts now between you, Brooks, and Joel. And even my sister's boyfriend, Chris, has been on a few times. So either way, we'll be back in your ear holes. Ugh, I hate that word. Uh, on a mostly weekly basis. And hopefully Casey will be a huge part of that moving forward. I guess that saying of nobody is irreplaceable. I guess that was true, though. <laughs> well, You were able to put anyone in my position. Well, I would literally talk to uh, – I'll do vo- two different voices, pretend it's two different people if I have to. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, resistance is futile. But let's get into things. Before we get into Logan, which I forgot to mention we were reviewing, but you already knew that because it's the title of the episode, and our top five genres that we'd like to see superhero movies in. That's a mouthful. I just wanted to say real quick, I wrote an article today for BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. I wrote about my top five favorite movies and top five favorite TV shows of 2017 so far, since it is about to be July 1st, halfway through the year. Figured I'd give a shout out to the this stuff out there that I've enjoyed. You can check that out at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. And also, I was a guest last week on the Screen Verdict podcast, friends of the show, Matt Noble and Jonathan Cook, asked me to come on... Uh, they're a great show and talk about season two of Master of None, which I had a lot of fun doing that. Check it out if you uh, if you like that show and want to. It's all spoilers, so I don't know what it's going to do for you if you haven't seen it. But it's a great show. Check it out. Listen to us talk about it. They they were our first guests, weren't they? Yeah, 
I believe so. no, Edgar was, but first non Before? first non Edgar guests. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's in a league of his own. <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a movie reference for you. Uh, do you watch Master of None? I do not. Uh, Master of None. That is with uh, Aziz Ansari, right? Correct. It's a really good show, actually. I watched the first episode, and I was not a fan. See, but that's just one episode, and that means nothing. So I should give it more. You should, because I talk about that on the show where. I, when it first came out, I watched the first five episodes and just stopped cold turkey. Didn't finish the season. And then two years later, season two comes out. I heard good things about it. Went back, finished season one, went straight into season two, and and loved it. It's one of my favorite shows of the year so far. Really? Now, is it, I mean, it's pure comedy, right? No, actually, it's definitely funny. But it also, I mean, it gets into, like, I don't want to say. It's like, it's really interesting how it gets at it from different perspective like there's an episode where it's all about his parents there's an episode when it's all about religion they have like these theme episodes and they kind of get into deeper stuff but not in like a take itself too seriously way it's really well done actually now would you say is is master of none or atlanta better Oof, that's tough because i did love atlanta last year i would say atlanta season one better than master of none season one but Master of None Season 2, better than Atlanta Season 1. Really? Yeah. Wow, okay. So, that's where I'd rank it. <laughs> Thank you for your feedback. <laughs> All right. Let's get into a summer box office draft update. Uh, you were telling me you don't know what's coming here. I have no idea. The only thing I have heard is that... Um... Transformers has maybe a 17% or so on Rotten Tomatoes, which, I mean, I kind of expected, but if it could have gotten into the 30s or 40s, it was in the bag for me. Yeah, that would have um, been a big help. But I don't, so I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm dead in the water, but I doubt it. I think I'm, I'm right there with you. Well, <laughs> maybe not, though. I do post updates once a week on the website. So I now I know how much you read my, uh, my writings. Uh, All right, so should I go from first to last, last to first? Last to first. Oh, why? (laughs) Why do I? I'm I'm in last place. Perfect. But how many movies have released for you, though? I'll let you know. Uh, Let's see. Um, I have three movies out in in circulation right now. Baywatch was my first movie that came out. That's did pretty bad. It's not doing great. It's about to break even, like, financially. It's getting close. It's made $136 million worldwide on a $69 million budget. But it has a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. So, okay, you're, you might break even. You're going to get about a million. All yeah, right. that sounds reasonable. Right now I'm at minus a million. So, yeah, I think maybe by – I mean, I don't even think this thing's going to be in theaters much longer – People did not like it, but hopefully I break even there. Next, I have The Mummy, which bombed in the U.S., but actually did pretty well overseas. It's made $342 million against a $125 million budget. Okay. Uh, again, decimated by a 15% Rotten Tomatoes score. Ooh. So what's your profit right now, or your, your earnings from it? 
14 million about 14 million okay so that's one of these like transformer situations where if that could have just been 50% that would have been a big help yeah but transformers is making i'm going to guess in the close to a billion dollar range it's a big difference right uh right now well it just came out last week but mummy well, has it's going been, to make a billion though probably close probably close yeah uh let's see and my last one is cars 3 which didn't do very good at the box office. Right now, it's 141 million worldwide against the 175 million dollar budget, and 66 percent on Rotten Tomatoes for a net profit slash deficit of minus 71 million dollars. Gosh! Now, because planes didn't do too well, right? And obviously, that's just a spinoff and blah blah blah. But it is still in the same world, and I feel like that was an indicator that you shouldn't have picked. Yeah, in hindsight. Animation domination, more like animation damnation, am I right? Oh, man. <laughs> I have uh, Despicable Me 3 coming out this weekend, which... You're going to do great. I'm going to do great with that. Correct. This is going to bring me back to third place at best. So, I'm the only one in the negatives for a total of negative $58.5 million. Ooh. So, moving up from there... Third place is Edgar Chaput of Cut Print Film. He only has two movies in circulation right now. Okay. Uh, he has Alien Covenant, which made $227 million against a $97 million budget. That's not bad. And 71% Rotten Tomato score. And it's, it's made him $22 million right now. Okay. Which, That's um, and a little bit less than I thought. I thought... Uh, it was going to make a little bit more, especially domestically. I thought but. it would do a little bit better, but that's definitely not like a worst-case scenario or anything. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, there was definitely a very large chance it could miss. Yeah, it at least made some money. So his only other movie is Rough Night, which, yeah, it is a little rough. Um, has made $24 million. The good thing is only a $20 million budget. So not killing him too much. 48% Rotten Tomatoes score. It's currently sitting at minus eight million Ooh, for a grand total right. of about fourteen million dollars. <laughs> Finally, right, two movies out. Um, yeah, let's. I mean, he's got Spider-Man coming up, a War for the Planet of the Apes, and Annabelle Creation. So I would definitely not count him out completely. No, no, he's got he's got a chance. Second, second place. Oh, I heard that. I caught that. Second place is. To be honest, I'm going to keep uh-huh. going. It's Casey Brady. All right. How many movies do I got out? Four movies. Actually, Ooh. your fifth and final movie has just come out with Baby Driver. All right. Which actually is, I mean, I don't have this accounted for yet because I'm looking at uh, from last weekend's results. But Baby Driver is actually doing pretty well for itself right now. So you should be feeling good about that. Uh, you have Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. It has still a lot of uh, worldwide releases, right? It's uh, it definitely isn't released everywhere yet. Not yet. Yeah, it's sitting at six hundred and seventy-eight million worldwide. It should get an extra two hundred million, probably. Yeah, I think it'll create a little bit up. less than I thought. But. Yeah, I thought it might break a billion. Looks like maybe it'll touch nine hundred million, which is certainly not bad. Yeah. Uh, two hundred thirty million dollar budget. So that. Ooh, I'm gonna look that up. I doubt that. <laughs> that thirty million. That hurts a little bit. 
On uh, 29% Rotten Tomatoes. That kind of brings it down a touch to $63 million in profit. All right. I, know, I was hoping for a little bit more, but... Next up is your your hit, your wondrous hit, Wonder Woman. Just mm-hmm. lighting the box office on fire. Um, $653 million worldwide on a $149 million budget. And a 92% Rotten Tomatoes for... Three hundred twenty-six point six million dollar profit, and it's still going to bring in a, a decent amount more. This so. not only does Wonder Woman have legs, this movie has legs because it's barely losing money each weekend. It's really holding up very strong. Yeah. It's going to have a nice run. I mean, for a cheap budget, I mean, it's not doing as well like internationally, but I think it'll get eight nine hundred million altogether. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, I think that's going to be the MVP of the whole draft, most likely. I feel like I get that most years. But you know, <laughs> well, hey, you know. True, you did have it with Jurassic World. so And Finding Dory. Uh, you had that? Yeah. I have to double check, but... 100%. <laughs> okay. Uh, Captain Underpants has made... You stole no, my animation. Uh, $72 million against a $38 million budget. Actually, 85% Rotten Tomatoes score for a grand total of negative $0.6 million. Wait, 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 wait. How much did it make and what was the budget? $72 million against $38 million budget. All right. Oh, okay, okay. So you're fine. That's like a break even. Maybe you'll be a little bit in the green or the black. When did it release? I want to say three or four weeks ago. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. So that's not going to do anything for me. No. That's sad. I thought it was going to be about a, an 80 to 90, 90 million. Oh, my God. Well, that's unfortunate for you, but... Yeah, that's whatever. Uh, Transformers The Last Night is your last one. Just came out. Didn't do very well domestically, but internationally. Doing about the same as it always does. $265 million against a $217 million budget. And 15% on Rotten Tomatoes for a grand loss of $143 million. The nice thing is that's going to instantly convert into positive. Now, of course, I'm not going to get more than probably at most $100 million, but True. I probably won't get even that. I'll probably get about 70 But hey, that's going to that's gonna, a $220 million swing. I can't wait to do the box office award show at the end of this season. And see who had the best reviewed movies, who picked the biggest bomb. I, I'm sure I'll come away with something in the bomb category. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. All right, first place then. That leaves only one. All eyes are on him. Joel Fallon, first place. Oh, your grand total, I forgot to say. $245 million. Okay. Respectable. Joel's, Not really. Joel's total is $329 million. Okay. How so many movies does he have out? He has three movies out. Shoot. All right. He's got Guardians of the Galaxy, which is box office king as of now. It was the first one out, so that is a big advantage there. But it's made $850 million worldwide against a $200 million budget, 81% Rotten Tomato score for a grand total of $365 million. That. Very good. Uh, it comes at night. 
the indie horror movie that is currently my favorite movie of the year. $13 million it's made against a $5 million budget and an 87% Rotten Tomato score for $2.6 million in profit. So, I mean, that's not going to hurt him or help him, really. Yeah. At least he's not losing a bunch of money. And All Eyes on Me is his last one that he has out right now. It actually has done really well domestically, but it's like not either not out internationally or it's not going to be out, which might have been something to pay attention to in the pre-draft. But uh, it's made $40 million against a $45 million budget. Problem is 22% Rotten Tomato score for... Negative thirty-nine million. All right, so he's not going to get too much help from that. What are his other two remaining? He has Dunkirk, which comes out in three weeks, and The Dark Tower. Crap! All right, it's so going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight. Yeah, it's yeah. a three-way race for first, and then there's me. I'm just trying to get a good draft pick for next year. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, we have never lost one of these ever. Me and you have always won. The summer, yeah. Yeah. Well, the one that counts. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. yeah. So I got to take it home for us. You got to do it. I hate to to root for you, but I have to. Also, Joel has his reserve in in run with King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Um, It's bombed. Terrible. Maybe the biggest bomb of the summer. Good thing it was a reserve. I was hoping one of you guys were going to take it. Oh, I had a, should I don't know if this is the time or place to do this, but had an idea for next time where our reserve we can swap it in at any time for a movie that hasn't been released yet. At any time? But as no. so, as soon as a movie you know releases then it's locked in. But until that point you can shuffle something into your reserve slot because i mean you're not going to really know are you or maybe maybe a week or two before it comes out well okay i mean is the reserve movie what if that's out can you swap it then in no okay so okay i I would be fine with that so if neither the movie being swapped out and your reserves haven't been released maybe yeah maybe like a week before release because sometimes they can get like uh predictions out with that week leading up to it I mean, uh, yeah, especially with the Rotten Tomatoes score, that would be a big help. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll have to talk about We'll have about to play it. with it, but I just thought that could make it more like a fantasy uh, sport thing where you're swapping in and out. But uh, And also, I want to start doing a winter slash spring draft, so we always have one going on at all times. But that's stuff for off the podcast. So yeah. let's get to the task at hand, the main event. Of the evening, the review for what some people call the greatest comic book movie ever made. We'll see if either one of us agree with that. Logan, sitting at 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, IMD plot synopsis is, In the near future, a weary Logan carriers cares, I can't read, for an ailing Professor X somewhere in the Mexican border. However, Logan's attempts to hide from the world and his legacy are upended when a young mutant arrives, pursued by dark forces. I would not be a good uh, news anchor reading off the teleprompter. I used to do all the summaries, correct? Yeah, you want to go back to that? (laughs) 
I don't know. It's I mean, it's been two years. I'm out of practice. But, yeah. Uh, Ever since you left, I've just been reading the IMD plot synopsis. Understandable. Yeah, it's it's a little drier, but at least it. Uh, Probably more accurate than what I would say. <laughs> no. And it'll be less rambly and stuttery than if I tried to come up with it at the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so starting off with Logan, now, I'm guessing you had seen the trailer. Were you excited for the movie? Yeah, I honestly thought it could. I was incredibly excited. I loved both trailers, especially that first one with the Johnny Cash song. It was one of the top trailers in my lifetime. It's it was incredible. Really I had never been that pumped for a movie. It was a mixture of the trailer, and I am a gigantic uh, Wolverine fan. I mean, I love X-Men. Even the third X-Men that everyone seems to hate, I loved. I thought it was just awesome. I just, I am so engrossed in the X-Men um, kind of universe. And so another Hugh Jackman movie, another Wolverine movie, I couldn't wait. Yeah, we both liked uh, James Mangold's last uh, directed Wolverine movie, The Wolverine. Um, oh, yeah. Beautifully shot, I thought. Uh, story lacked a little bit here or there. Um, but, I mean, when you have Old Man Logan, of course, this is a version of Old Man Logan. I don't know if you have read the comics. Of course I have. Um, you did? Yeah. You did really? Absolutely. Huh? That was right uh, when that time when I was really into comics, so I definitely picked oh, okay. it up. Um, yeah, so it's it, it, it's a, a definitely a very heavily modified version, uh, but there is this old man Logan story um, type of feel to it. Yeah. And so, and that's a and that's a great story arc in the comics. Um, so I was just oh, I couldn't wait, could not. Yeah, it was definitely one of my at least most anticipated movies as far as the blockbusters go. Because um, a lot of the movies that end up being the best movies of the year, you don't really hear about them until later on. So when we did our top five anticipated movies of the year, I do believe Logan was definitely on my top five. And um, yeah, you got Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart as an old ass Professor X who's going through like dementia. Uh, or Alzheimer's, or you know, a mental illness. Daphne Keene as X twenty three, and Boyd Holbrook as the Reaver, the main Reaver bad guy. And um, yeah, great cast, great idea. I just love the idea of R rated Wolverine. Get him just killing people <laughs> left and right. Uh, I just love the idea of this is more of a western with superhero tacked on than a superhero movie with some Western influences. Like this is almost a straight up Western in my opinion. Yeah. So I think we should definitely eventually come back to the R um, yes. rating. Cause that's a very major point, but for your, your discussion of, yes, it is kind of a superhero movie. Second Western first. I mean, I wouldn't really say Western first, um, I wouldn't really go in that genre. I would go more in the genre of this kind of, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Um, like, um, I, yeah, I, I guess Western might not be the perfect term, but like, uh, you know, a desert. Uh, it definitely has that, yeah, I mean, that, that's the setting. Travel log. Setting. But yeah, it, yeah travel log. Um, and, but it, it's an emotional story first. 
the superhero stuff comes second. Um, when you have Wolverine and his kind of daughter, and there's that, that bond, but it's not just a bond, it's this very messy relationship um, that's acting out and unfolding in front of you, and then the messy relationship between Wolverine and Professor X um, that has already been unfolded for you. You've already, you already know what that messy relationship is, and now you're getting to see the final conclusion of it. Um, both stories are fantastic to watch. Yeah, um, I, I think my favorite is to watch more of the Professor X Wolverine than Wolverine and his daughter, um, just because I love Patrick Stewart. I love Professor X. Uh, I didn't think I would see him in another X-Men movie after... Um, uh, what was the last one? Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past, which I loved him in that, but I didn't think I would get to see him again. Um, so I, I love to be able to see him, especially getting to show his acting chops a little bit more in this movie than all the other X-Men. Um, That's true. That's because true. this was more of an actor's movie um, than an action movie. Yeah, for sure. And I do think we kind of have to go spoilers here. Do you agree? Uh, it, it would be very hard not to. Yeah, I, and I feel like anyone that's listened to our show has probably already seen Logan, or if not, is going to very soon. So I'll just say I really like the movie, just in case you know people want to bail out here because we are going to talk spoilers. But I, I really like the movie. Did not think it was the best superhero movie ever made. Okay. Um, yeah, it's absolutely not the best superhero movie made. Probably X-Men 2, I would say, is better. Yes. Uh, the Dark Knight is better. Um, possibly it's the third. I, I just can't think off the top of my head after... I mean, all of them. But, it, it, I mean, it's close in the top five, I would say. Um, yeah, it's definitely really good. So, all right, now spoiler shackles are off. So we can uh, go at it. Yeah, so, I mean, more than likely I knew Patrick Stewart was going to die. I'm guessing you did as well. Um, it made sense. Yeah, everyone kind of guessed it. Uh yeah, when I was in the theater, I went, I think, that Wednesday night that it releases now that they're being, it's almost very common to, to go on a Wednesday night for the, the premiere. Everyone in the theater, we all kind of just had this sense of he's going to die probably midway through. You saw it in the trailer when he's at the, you know, the the cemetery or at a cemetery-like area. I, I, I think he just dug a hole for him, but... Um, yeah, yeah. Not at the cemetery. But you knew he was going to die. Everyone, kind of, uh, at least I came to grips with it before I even saw the movie. Seeing Wolverine die, uh, I cried a little bit. Oh, man. Um, it was very, very saddening. I think it really does leave room, though, the way he died, um, that he could come back. And I think he will. I have this maybe false hope that he will. Yeah. Because the adamantium is killing him, right? It's well, poisoning it, him, yeah. All they probably have to do, which would make sense, is remove his bones from his body. Um, and then his body would regrow the bones because they don't have the adamantium. Like, he doesn't have it, the adamantium into, in his body anymore. Yeah, because... So he could start rehealing itself. Because his healing factor is slowing down, but is that because of the poisoning? Or is that just because he's getting older? So, uh, according to the movie, it seemed it was because of the adamantium. 
in the comics, it's because it's his healing factor is kind of like a muscle. And say he got cut a million times, his regenerative uh, powers would be kind of slow after the millionth reheal uh, because it's tired and needs to relax. And also, just like muscles, uh, when you get older, they start to deteriorate, so his powers start to deteriorate. I don't think that is what was happening in the movie. I think it was just the adamantium. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I loved everything with Professor X. Well, almost everything. I will say, I don't know if he needed to be a guy that was using the F word, every other word out of his mouth, but everything about the character arc for him in this movie was awesome. I loved the way he was losing his mind, and that's obviously, like, without that, who is he? That's like an identity crisis. I love the idea of having these mental slips where he's so powerful that these episodes are literally killing people like by the dozens there's this big incident at um the xavier mansion where i think he like killed most of the x-men team or students and i just love the whole arc of him here yeah it's uh it was fantastic to show his power i mean i think he's like a level three or level four mutant he's one of the most powerful in the history of all of x-men uh the x-men universe and so yeah when he is going crazy his full powers are released. He has no uh, restraints on him. And he literally shocks the world with his powers. And I think that it, the display of his powers was great. The way yeah. they showed it, uh, fantastic. Yeah, and especially the scene where, like, Wolverine stops him right in the middle of it. He can, like, kind of fight against it a little bit more than the other people. Mm-hmm. It was just, yeah, really well done. I guess... Go ahead. You go ahead. I was just going to say, maybe we should talk about the R-rated aspect of the movie here. Okay. Because, like I said, with Wolverine, yeah, I get it. Him cussing left and right, that makes sense. That seems within character. Professor X, I mean, I guess I get it a little bit where look at everything he's been through. Look at the world they're in now. Look how old he is. But I still, it felt a little weird to hear him cuss so much. Yes, and it, it definitely seemed forced. I know some people liked it because, oh, it's Patrick Stewart, one of the you know most professional uh, stage actors there is uh, in modern times, cursing it. You know, I didn't like it. It was very, very forced. Um, I'm not not a deal breaker whatsoever. But yeah, I, I agree with you. He didn't need to be cursing. Hugh Jackman, yep, uh, sure, go right on ahead. He, that's his character. I think the R rating uh, was great for the violence that was shown. They were allowed to show whatever they wanted, um, and they didn't go overboard. I think there is a, going to be a very large possibility that we're going to see many, many more R-rated comic book movies yeah. or superhero movies, which is great, fantastic, except I think studios are going to go past what they should um, because they think maybe that's what the audience wants. And we just want more of a realistic, you know, comic book. Movie. Right. If it, um, if it deserves it, then, you know, go for all means. But don't force it just to make it R-rated. And I, think, I feel like that's what Tarantino has done in his movies. Uh, he showed the perfect amount of, you know, blood and gore and because of this kind of, like, backlash he's gotten, he's now, like, forced it in his last, like, maybe one or two movies. 
and I don't want that to be what the studios do. I don't want them to force the gore. Right, um, and I had a similar argument about Deadpool when we reviewed that, me and Joel, where that armor seemed a little bit forced as well, or it seemed odd because, you know, there's all this cussing and and all this blood and guts, and then there's nudity in some places, but then in another spot they, like, went out of their way to cover up nudity, so it was kind of weird how it was called in between. Like, I just wanted it to feel natural. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's probably the hardest part of yeah. filmmaking, is making oh, it feel yeah. very natural. Of course, yeah. So, yeah, I, and as far as the violence, though, in this movie I thought it worked a lot better than, like, the, the cussing did. I, I actually liked the violence here. I liked the opening scene with Logan getting jumped in his truck and just mm-hmm. annihilating, eviscerating these, like, four or five guys. Like, I thought that was awesome. I thought that worked really well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. The, the gore and the violence were, I think, perfect. It was a perfect blend. Yeah, and... Uh, to go along with, like, if it was a Western or trying to be somewhat of a Western, like, that's kind of a thing from Westerns, like, brutal violence and realism where the effects of this violence, you know, really show up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, they did, they just did a fantastic job with it. Uh, and I think, I, like I said, I think we are going to see many, many, many more comic book movies becoming R-rated and less PG-13. Yeah, there hasn't I almost, been... I almost think it's going to become extinct, that we're not going to see <laughs> um, PG-13 movies. Yeah, it, might, comic book it movies. might either be either PG or R. I mean, I could definitely see it leaning that way, just because so far, all the R-rated movies have done extremely well. So, To be honest, though, I think... And uh, we do have a new... Uh, new section of the podcast where we have different discussions and maybe one time we can discuss about the rating system Yeah, because I, I think most people do not pay attention to the rating system anymore. I feel like the studios care, but the viewers do not. Um, yeah, I do I agree. Do, I do agree I, with that. I do think the rating system is eventually going to go extinct. I but, think they either need to be like 17 and up or seven or under 17 and that's it. Like yeah. binary, I don't know. There, uh, or if just... you are interested, there are some very interesting documentaries on the rating system um, and how kind of not corrupt because it, it's hard to say that it's corrupt, but um, biased. It's very, very biased. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's definitely how come some movies get away with the PG-13 and they have the F word three times and and this and then another one doesn't. It's mm-hmm. it's all political. I would have to look more into it before I gave like a firm opinion of what I th- definitively think should happen. But it definitely could use some uh, alterations for sure. Yeah. But so back to Logan. Yes. Um, so what did you feel about um, him having this daughter who is just like him? Did you realize right away that it's his daughter? Because if, if memory serves correct. Um, it's not told right away that it, it's his daughter. Uh, I kind of figured because X twenty three is a character from the comic book and is a clo- like used is a clone of him basically using his DNA. So yeah, I pretty much figured that from the beginning. But I have to say, Daphne Keen never heard of her or seen her before this movie, but 
I don't know if this was just the perfect role or what, but I thought she was great. I thought she did a really, really good job. I think X-23 was good enough to actually, like, maybe you don't need Wolverine. Maybe she can be the new Wolverine, the younger, you know, duplicate version of him. See, that's, um, for me, I, I, I agree with you that she did fantastic. This was a great role for her. She didn't have many lines at all, but her the expressions on her face are fantastic. She's able to convey emotion through body language and facial expressions. Great job. Um, is she a good enough character on her own? I would have to say no. Um, but couldn't why? you see? Couldn't you see, though? She could be what Wolverine was meant to be, a supporting character where silent but intimidating, not the lead of a movie, but just like uh, 10, 15 minutes sprinkled in. Yeah, she could be a supporting character in one or two movies. Um, she could, I, I don't feel like she can headline a movie. I don't, especially as a younger version of X-23. Um, yeah. I don't think she can headline. She, she can't take... Hugh, Jack, Hugh Jackman's spot right now as it is. In the comics, he definitely was more of a kind of uh, supporting character in the early days, but because of his popularity, he kind of started becoming more forefront. Um, so I, I, I don't think she can take that headlining spot right now, or if ever. Yeah, I agree with that. But I just mean, as far as X-Men movies, not necessarily like... Uh, her own movie. I, I do. I think she has a place in the universe. Oh, she does. Yes, yes, yes. But it is a supporting role. Mm -hmm. I mean, she does only have what three claws compared to his four. He so. has. She has two. He has three. Oh, sorry. Didn't I'm she? Sorry. Did she not have uh, some in her feet though? I want to say yes. Does she have it in the movie though? I can't remember. See, it's like we were saying. It's been a month since I seen the movie. And even longer for you. I feel like I have a memory in my head where she kicks someone in the head with a blade in her foot. But I could be thinking Oh, I want to say yes now that you're saying that. <laughs> so if she does, that's badass. It is. It is. <laughs> uh, what about X-24? The almost, you know, young Wolverine. The, the clone that's like the perfect Wolverine. Those, those scenes look fantastic. I love... Because there was, um, I mean, he was kind of the henchman. The, the, he wasn't the main villain, but he was the, the, the henchman. He was the, the heavy. Villain. He was the heavy, right? The, uh... the heavy. There you go. Um, and he did, I mean, it was fantastic. The CGI looked great. It was awesome. Um, I loved it. I loved it. Especially the, the scene where I, I, I kind of felt like it just, it didn't feel right when, they are they're at someone's house uh, eating dinner, right? And the the story's going along, and Hugh Jackman um, goes away for a little bit to fix like a pump or something, right? And all of a sudden, Professor X is awakened by someone, and it's the X twenty four character. I love that scene; it was incredible, awesome. Hugh Jackman comes. There's this big fight. It, it's great, fantastic scene. Yeah, for sure. And uh, a lot of times when movies go for this doppelganger or 
even in the first X-Men movie, right, when there's two mystiques and it's like, or two of someone, and it's like, which one is the right one? Which one should I attack? It, a lot of times that feels kind of tacky and not effective, but here, it, for whatever reason, it worked extremely well. It did, it did. And I think that's because CGI has just come along so far. I mean, if you look at the newest Star Wars film that was released with... Um, um, Tarkin, the CGI to recreate him, I thought was fantastic, incredible. We are we are where George Lucas tried to pioneer us to be uh, in the movie industry. He did a horrible job starting out, or maybe he did a great job. Maybe no one could have done better. But we're finally where his vision wanted us to be, um, and we definitely can improve and go farther but cgi is great right now yeah it is for sure um all right what about the reavers the the ragtag group of i don't know they were probably my least favorite part of the movie yeah um i i they're not very memorable um i thought i I thought boyd holbrook was okay as the main guy the guy from narcos um i thought he was okay but just the Anytime it's a superhero movie with like people with superpowers fighting each other, and you bring in these regular Joes, it's never going to be as interesting. Yeah. Um, the the surprising thing is, so this is a Marvel film, except it's not a Marvel film. Um, what Fox owns X Men, right? Yes. Um, so Marvel has always had horrible villains, always horrible villains, except the X Men series, which is created by Fox. They've had good villains. I mean, Magneto is one of the greatest villains of all time. He's up there with the Joker. This movie had... I mean, I, the villain is just... Eh. He's, I don't remember his name. Uh, I remember he has a mechanical arm, but that's about it. Um, that's it. There's no, There's not much else to him. And that's not, that's not a great villain. To, right. Mean, there's certain aspects of a movie that you kind of, it, it's kind of weird to say, but there's aspects of a movie that you don't want to stand out to you. Um, you don't want it to take front uh, front stage compared to other aspects. The villain should be um, should be something that you remember. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, let's see. The only other thing I really have is. A scene I liked quite a bit um, with the stuff with the Munson family when they go back to the, to Will's Will Munson's house with his family and they're kind of this is where the movie gets comparisons to the Western Shane, which actually is on TV at some point uh, while they're in this house, I believe. Yeah, I heard this was one of the major influences for Logan. Yeah, I do believe they have. Uh, said that and I actually watched Shane today actually uh, just to to see what it's all about and uh, yeah you could definitely see the influences especially with the Munson family stuff and I do think it's really well done really? yeah I, I, I haven't seen it um, so I wasn't sure I, I just heard that there were that, that it was a big influence um, for when they were writing it which I mean yeah, you know, I mean, how how old is it? I, I've never to be 19, honest. Really 1959. 1959, Okay, 
Um, it's good. I'll talk about it when we talk about what else we watched. But it, it's good. I didn't love it for by okay. any by any means. But I mean, it's solid. It's a western, you know. Mm-hmm. So, did you have anything else, or maybe any negatives you wanted to point out? Um, the negatives. I I will say that when I came out of the movie theater, I was just so like I loved it. I mean, I would have given it a ten. Like I wow, it it, it met my expectations. It it one hundred percent did. Um, it did not let me down, which is really hard for a movie to do that, especially when you already have high expectations. Um, now that it's three months later, uh, I can go. You know what? There are some flaws. What are those flaws? I mean, I, I wish I would have rewatched it to say, oh, this is definitely it. I mean, you definitely have the villain. That's one of the major flaws. There are some segments that are slower than others, such as at the Munson residence. The beginning is it, it's a little slow, and it's very awkward. The whole setup for the big fight scene um, and for one of the most major events in the film uh, with X-24 doing something to one of the characters, the setup is just weird. It doesn't. It feels very, very awkward. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a nod to one of its major influences uh, with the Munson family, but I they should have done it a different way. They should have set up these climaxes in a different way. I got you. Uh, yeah, I... I don't know why. Something was holding it back for me. It just didn't have this visceral excitement during the movie for me. Like, intellectually, I'm like, oh, this is great. I love what they're doing here, what they're doing there. But I don't know. I feel like it was a little dull in places, especially, like, visually. And I know that's intentional in a lot of ways with just, like, almost a post-apocalyptic... I mean, what about uh, the visualization of... Him live, living inside of a water tower um, that has all these holes on it. Um, yeah. With the sunlight beaming down in these oh, yes. small strands. I thought that looked beautiful. Some stuff looked incredible. But I just felt like, I don't know why it felt inconsistent to me. But in some places I felt like it looked dull. And in other places, like, like you're saying, I thought it looked great. I don't know... Why? And even some of the props. I mean, the car, the the initial car that Wolverine was driving around as being a kind of armored valet. Um, that, I mean, the, the props looked awesome. I yeah, thought, for in sure. A of, in a lot of the scenes, for sure. It. I guess again, they're going for a bit of a western vibe, and a lot of westerns kind of looked dull to me. So mm-hmm. maybe it's just that fact, and I feel like it was a bit, little bit overly serious like is there a single joke in this movie oh i don't want jokes no i don't i don't want jokes but i i don't know it's bordering on taking itself a little too seriously i don't again i completely disagree if there would have been a joke it would have definitely fell flat (laughs) and likely and just ruined that scene and that happens so freaking often not just in comic book movies but most movies in general uh, that are trying to be serious but add a little bit of humor, don't, just don't add the humor. It, what I'm doing right now is basically it's just a natural gut feeling why I'm going to give the rating I give and why I didn't love it as much as I should or wanted to. I'm just trying to find these nitpicks that could maybe explain why. 
because it, okay. it just felt like it was lacking something, something. but I don't yeah. know what that something was because I've done nothing but rave about it pretty much this whole review. So <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out, but I would just go ahead and say I give it a eight out of ten. Eight out of ten? Uh, that's a little surprising. Yeah, uh, I was hoping to give it like an eight and a half or a nine. So I, I'm definitely going to give it a, a very strong eight and a half. Just like you, I cannot. I, I'm not going to go into the nine or nine point five range, and almost never in the ten. Um, there is something. Uh, like I said, I, it, the villain is part of it. Uh, setups for the climaxes. Um, which I think there are multiple climaxes, so it doesn't feel uh, like your typical story arcs um, or story arc, but there is something else. I, I do agree with you. There is something non-tangible. And maybe, maybe that would go away on a rewatch. Maybe I would like really connect with it a second time around. So, yeah, possibly. So possibly. who knows? But uh, yeah, since Logan did a thing where they you know, took a sec another genre, melded it very well with the superhero genre. We want to see what else would we like a filmmaker to try and do with a different genre. That's a roundabout way of saying our top five is superhero movie genres we'd like to see. It's very messy, but you get it, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your number five? So... For my list, I, I came up with five very, very easily. The ordering of them is, the, the ordering is really not good. Um, so don't take this as being my number five because it's better than my number four. It's just the first one I'm going to say. Okay, um, okay. So the first one I will say is I would like Batman in an escort type movie. Uh, and when I say escort type movie, I, I couldn't think of an official name, but like 310 to Yuma, where Batman is trying to take this, person and get them like 13 blocks down uh or like the transporter i i never watched the transporter oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> but the best movie in my mind is 310 to yuma it's that exact type of movie and also i think there is a movie called 13 blocks which if yes you get some reference i did i did all right, <laughs> all right. So that, that's my first one um okay um hmm. yeah i would watch that like i you know it would be amazing and pretty much anything with Batman. I got one with Batman in here, too. He's easy to work with in that oh, regard. Batman. All right. Uh, my number five. Yeah, like you said, the order isn't necessarily – this isn't like a typical top five where it's, you know, a five-star movie at the top and a three-and-a-half star at the bottom. Like, these are all interchangeable for the most part. I did have a harder time coming up with these than you. I spent a solid 20, 30 minutes, like, racking my brain today, but – I think I got some good stuff here, so let me know what you think. All right. First up for me is a gangster movie, almost like a Goodfellas-esque type of movie, starring Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin, Kingpin, as his, almost like an origin story or his rise into prominence, how he got to be the Kingpin. And I know there's a great iteration of the Kingpin in the Daredevil Netflix series, but I'm talking... Like I said, Goodfellas style, where you show him where he's starting out as like a, I don't know if he was ever scrawny, but like a, a younger kid just getting an opportunity to break in t with the mob and then working his way up until he's finally the man with all the power. 
I could definitely see that. Um, I, I don't think that would be too far away from, you know, the the character itself. Right. So, yeah, I, I like it. I would watch it. All right. And get Scorsese in there. And, uh... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number four is I would love to see Hellboy in a legitimate horror film. Um, so not just the the, the, the the two versions that we have out now where it's pretty playful with the demons and such. Uh, I want a very, like, exorcist-type feel of I want to pee my pants with these <laughs> um, Nice. That's what I would like to see. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I did... An honorable mention for me was just, like, a straight horror movie. I just couldn't think of, like, the perfect characters to use in that situation but that would yeah, def- that, was, that was the hard part um so i don't i don't I'm not saying hellboy is the perfect character i was thinking maybe the punisher but nah that just wouldn't make sense uh in any kind of way but so hellboy was my best my best pick yeah i like that i like that a lot um let's see my next one's a bit odd a little bit of an oddball here um it's a murder mystery slash whodunit in the style of clue where they're just say it's the Avengers or the Justice League and they're they're in their tower, one of the major heroes shows up dead. And it has to be one of them in that room. And it's almost like a um I clue is the only example I can really think of off the top of my head, but just say uh I don't know, the Justice League's there and Superman is dead. And it had to have been one of these other heroes here in the building, and then they you know, twelve Angry Men style. Just it all takes place in one location, but with huge stakes of these superheroes. And I don't know. I think that could be interesting. You know what? Yes, yes, it could be. <laughs> uh, I like it. I really, really like it. And I was trying to rack my brain around what would be a like what would be a good one for having a single location type film with a superhero. I like that. That's good. Nice. That was the one I felt like was the biggest reach, but had a lot of potential. It's not going to be like canon where you can't do it in the MCU or the the DC universe. It had to be like a complete standalone because... Well, I feel like all of these should be yeah. in a way. Yeah. I mean, that's what I kind of thought of. But... Cool. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Uh, my number three is Gambit. In kind of like a gambling type movie, uh, I would like to see like a riverboat, kind of like Maverick, um, the one with uh, what's his name, Mel Gibson. Um, so the, yeah, like kind of that old-fashioned Western um, gambling boat. Uh, what I can't think, riverboat. That's that's what it's called. Um, that's what I would like to see. All right, Gambit. Um, I love the character Gambit. I feel like they just. They don't use him at all um, in these movies for for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the Channing Tatum solo movie is still happening. I kind of hope it does. I like Channing Tatum. I think he's a good fit for Remy LeBeau. Um, you think so? Are you serious? I do, I do. Oh, my God. You <laughs> have no taste. It's a good thing I'm back on this podcast. <laughs> we need some credibility. Oh, okay. And... Uh, yeah, and have a have rounders, but if more you, than me, <laughs> more than me, shy. Uh, <laughs> if uh, 
just watching Edward Norton and Rounders if he could pick up the cards and charge them up and kill you. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right. My number three, it does involve Batman. It's a psychological thriller. I'm thinking David Fincher directed Zodiac style, something like that with the Batman, not the Batman, Batman and the Riddler. <laughs> you know what? Wow. Um, I mean, you're definitely not going for these really far stretches, but I like them. I, I, I like that. That's a really good idea. Um, especially Batman. I mean, in the comics is the greatest detective in the world. Um, and no movie has ever shown that. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think this would. I would almost be ripping off Zodiac, honestly, because the Riddler, you could imagine him leaving those type of notes, right? And I feel like you could have it be from multiple perspectives where you have Batman trying to hunt him down. You have the police force uh, trying to hunt him down. I know there's like these two iconic cops in the Arkham universe that I can't remember their names. Like you could see from them. You could even show it from the Riddler's perspective. I don't know. I think it could be good. Yeah, it's not like... I'm not really reaching for the stars here, but it's depend I, dependable concept. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be a great idea. Nice. Well, my number two, and now this one is probably no one will agree with me, but I would love to see The Flash in a, like a documentary about a racing competition. Um, I was trying, I yeah. I love my documentaries, especially documentaries about uh, various competitions. One of my favorite favorite ones is about uh, chess competition. Another one's about river dancing. I just love competitive documentaries, um, and so I'd like to see the flash. In one. I I love that because I was trying to think of a mockumentary or a fake documentary style, or even like a real one, I guess, or made out to be real. Uh, I was I just couldn't think of the concepts, but I I did like that idea. Thank you. I appreciate. It. Yeah. Alright, my number two, I'm talking hard sci-fi, like 2001 A Space Odyssey, not this Star Wars stuff, more like Star Trek? I don't know. Um, mm. Like hard sci-fi where it's going for ultimate realism. Fantastic Four. That's how you reboot this franchise for a third time and make it work, is have it Wait, just... wait, 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 though. Um... You're saying that these new Star Wars are not trying to be, like, real compared to Star Trek? I mean, the original Star Trek. I don't, I mean... I'm talking, you know, there's a difference between, like, fantasy sci-fi, like Star Wars, where it's, like, you know, it's it's space and the, all... That's what the um, prequels were, where this fantasy... Um, sci-fi and these new star wars are completely trying to go for a very realistic feel i'm just yeah i i just mean less action like like some more like something like moon or okay you know like where it's more of just about the science or like primer where it's hard sci-fi like i want it to be as realistic as possible with fantastic four i don't know okay. how how you make that work i don't know but hire the guy that did primer to do a Fantastic Four movie. Maybe he could figure it out. Okay, I could see that. Um, hey, I thought I, you didn't like Primer. I don't love it, but I mean, it's an awesome concept, and I do like that director. I like his second movie. Um, God, I can't remember the name. A lot better, but... Mm. I, I more like intellectually appreciate it more than enjoy the movie. Okay. 
Uh, my number one was, this is my number one. Um, all the other ones are whatever you want to rank them. But Harley Quinn in a romance movie with the Joker. Um, not a big stretch at all, but who does not love Har- Harley Quinn? I mean, she is so fantastic. She's, I think, by far the most popular DC villain right now. Um and has been for about the last, like, ten years. She's awesome. She's just great. We all want to see her, even in the crappy, um, uh, what do you call it? I can't think of it. Suicide Squad. She was the breakout star. I would love to see her in a romance movie. That's just pervy, but, I mean, no. <laughs> I, I, hear what, <laughs> I hear what you're saying. I just, you got to recast the Joker <laughs> if you're going to do it. Uh, yeah, I don't know why they, I mean, he could have maybe worked, but that style of Joker is just, what? Come on. Terrible. I hated the Joker in Suicide I hated Suicide Squad, but it, I, Harley Quinn's easily the best part of it. They should not have tried for a new Joker for the next about 10 years. I mean, no one's going to touch Heath Ledger. No, I know one. Yeah, like, literally, the Riddler is not that far off from the Joker. I don't understand why you couldn't just use him or, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but I like it. I like it. My number one was the first thing I thought of when I was thinking about this. Uh, it's a found footage monster movie. Perspective of the people on the ground during one of these big fights, like the end of the first Avengers movie, or you know, Man of Steel when it's Zod and Superman. You get the found footage. Someone has a camera for whatever reason, and then this starts going down. They run outside. You see it from the ground perspective. I'm thinking the Hulk is like your big monster money shot where he's, you know, punching a building down or something. I don't know. I just think that could be a different angle to approach a superhero movie. I mean, see, when I think of that, I do think of the Avengers and then how that influenced Batman or Superman. It's like, ugh, come on. Uh, If you made it so that it looked very real, then I'd say, okay. Yeah, I'm thinking like Cloverfield, but with superheroes fighting supervillains. And maybe your guy with the camera gets captured by the main villain at some point. I don't know. I just Uh, feel like there's something there. If you can special, big budget it up. That's the complete opposite. Make it low budget. Give them like $13,000 and have uh, Kevin Smith film it. Oh, I definitely don't want to see that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, maybe what I thought the best wasn't my actual best, but I would watch it. Any honorable mentions? Yeah, my my only honorable mention, and I couldn't really think of the exact way I would want it, but I would want the Joker um, to have that maybe that film that's set in one location, maybe his house, um, and just what he does during that typical day, uh, and how kind of just depressing his life is, or or something like that. Oh, right. Um, okay, yeah, because he's only alive when he's being the villain, right? So how exactly. how boring is ninety nine percent of his life? Yeah. Okay, I like that. Um, I had a few, like I said, the uh, the horror movie concept. I had R-rated comedy. I know that's Deadpool, but I didn't like Deadpool. So <laughs> I feel like 
I, it could be done better. And Wait, you didn't like Deadpool? I gave it a light six out of ten. Like, wow, uh, you're wrong. I love the character in the comics. Did not like the movie. I mean, it was. I, I agree that it's nowhere near as good as every single person said it was, but it's easily a seven point five. Yeah, and I was thinking more like a super bad style comedy, like. I don't know, just say Peter Parker in high school trying to get laid, and then he's also, you know, Spider-Man a couple times, which I guess is what they're doing with Homecoming a bit. So, um, I, I, I could see it. I could see it. Or I have a war movie. I mean, I know Captain America and even Wonder Woman have done that, but I mean, I don't know. Like you I, want a Steven Spielberg yeah. realistic on the beaches of Normandy. Right, right. With... Uh, you know, Captain America and Bucky or anyone, but just a war movie. And like my, these are honorable mentions because I couldn't think of the concept. Like I had an idea, but just couldn't picture how it would be exactly. And my last one was a coming of age tale in the style of like mud or something like that. Just could not <laughs> think of with any character in particular yeah that, i couldn't think of a particular character i was thinking i don't know the inhumans well enough but i feel like they get their powers around the age of puberty maybe follow an inhuman as he's approaching that time i don't know huh okay but that's all i got <laughs> pretty good though i actually I, I like this i like this list yeah this was cool i like doing stuff a little bit different than just like a. Best Jake Gyllenhaal movies. Yeah. But we'll still do uh, that, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Um, man, what have you been watching since the La La Land episode? Uh, so I, I only picked out a couple things. I, I mean, I, I didn't want to have a list of a whole bunch. So uh, uh -oh. uh -oh. I'll start off with... Wait, did my mic cut out? Or? No, I have a whole bunch. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Uh, I kind of figured that. Um, let's see. I will start off with the most recent one. It's uh, it's hard to pronounce, but Okja, the new one, uh, the new release from Netflix. It yeah. just came out just like two days ago or something. I watched it. You watched it? Yep. Uh, I have to say there, it was, the trailer made me really hopeful. I watched the movie. I liked it. I didn't love it. I thought that it was a little too cartoonish. Not, I, mean, I don't want to say cartoonish, but some of the dialogue, some of the acting, some of the characters were caricatures uh, when they shouldn't have been. The relationship between, and I, I can't think of her name. Um, uh, Miha. Miha, there you go. And Okja was perfect. It was great. Yep. I loved it. Um, the and opening is fan-freaking-tastic. And then they take it away. Went, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it went downhill after that, um, more so than them just being on a mountain and then literally riding downhill. Um, yeah, it's directed by Bong Joon Ho, who did uh, Snowpiercer. Did you, you watch that? And I loved it. Yeah, fantastic. And, and I, oh, now that you say that, I didn't realize it. I see a lot of similarities. Yeah, he's got a kind of a, his own style to him. I agree with you. The first half an hour of this movie, I was like, this is amazing. Like, I just watching her, you know, take care of the pig, run around, 
collecting fish. He saves her life when she falls off a cliff. All that stuff was like incredible. Thought it was some of the best stuff I've seen this year. And then as soon as, I mean, I don't want to give away too much, but as soon as that kind of gets broken up a bit and Paul Dano and gang and company uh, show up, I felt like from then on it was just okay to pretty good. But it just wasn't at that level that it started at, which I was like, if it could have kept that up the whole way, I, I, it might have been my favorite movie of the year so far. Yeah, it, it, it almost felt like it didn't understand what type of movie it wanted to be. Um, I remember you never saw Butter, did you, the movie Butter? No, I still haven't seen it. Uh, what's another one? Almost maybe like Bernie. I, I don't know if that's a good one. That's maybe not. But it it, it, it became a different movie. It, yeah, it, it did. It felt very different after, like you said, the first 30 minutes or so. That first 30 minutes felt like live-action Miyazaki. Yes, there you go. That's good. And then the rest was just like a pretty good, uh, you know, heist movie or something like that. Yeah, but it just, like, the characters were so out there, uh, and some of the dialogue was just so out there, and some of the actions were just so out there, that it just, it, it didn't yeah. feel real like it did for the first. Right. First. And, and they still had moments uh, throughout the movie that I liked a lot, but, um, yeah, it's, and there was kind of like a, a vegetarian angle to it, you could say. Yeah, I mean, there's all these the people get so upset about these agendas that movies have. Didn't really I bother mean, me, but yeah, I mean, it was there, but at the same time, I don't know. I, I mean, it didn't bother me. Yeah, it, it it didn't bother me either, but it's definitely noticeable. Like, if that is something that grinds your gears, it's definitely going to get to you. But yeah. I'll give it a seven and a half out of ten. I would recommend it. I just was disappointed, after, like we've said, after that first thirty minutes. Yeah, I, I mean, I would probably give it a seven and a half as well. Um, I think we're pretty close on that. Nice. What else? Uh, another thing that I watched. Um, I just finished up House of Cards, season what? I guess five. Five. Yes. I just I love it. I think it's some of the greatest storytelling some of the greatest character creation uh and progression some of the just best storylines in television history it is very close to being um breaking bad in terms of quality it's wow. not there it's not fully there because of some lack in consistency but it's it's close it's close that's saying something i still have never seen it but which is insane like why why i know like i know you love quality tv this is very high quality i just not too interested in politics like i've never seen the west wing it never interested me uh, it transcends politics it really does i think the season that everyone hates and i, I want to say it's season three um I, I liked every single season i loved it um no matter what has happened, I think season three gets a little bit more political than the other seasons, and that's why people didn't like it. Um, but you, you should watch it. At first, you are going to be overwhelmed with all the political jargon, um, but it, you, you get past that almost immediately, and you will fall in love. The very first scene of the show 
is just going to draw you in and you will never stop watching <laughs> All right. you're done. Maybe one day I'll give it a chance. But what about, I've heard from people that this season, uh, the things going on today in the real world have trumped what is going on in the in the show. Has, did that affect it at all for you? It, it, most seasons do that uh, for this show. I mean, season three, it dealt very heavily with Russia, I believe, um, which about two years ago was a, and, it, and it's major now, but it was also very major two years ago. Um, I, I, it's fine. I, I don't, typically I, I don't like the idea of current topics influencing the media I watch uh, in, the, in terms of television and movies. Um, but they do it so well that I don't care. I mean, yes, half of the season was about an election. Um, but, I mean, eventually they were going to have to have an election. This is about a president. And the president in the show is a Trump-like character. So it's they. this was in the works before Trump. Um, so it doesn't bother me at all. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious about that. Um, all right, I'll go with a couple real quick. I watched Wonder Woman, which I'm not going to go Me into too. it because I'm sure we'll review that down the line. But I will say all the hype, it's not unjustified. I liked, really? I liked it a lot. So you know, I'll... I'll go into that deeper once we get around to it. But, yeah, I really, really liked it. I would say I enjoyed it more than Logan. Wow. So, yeah, raise your expectations even more. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know what, what, like, if I'm, I'm not, like, extremely, like, oh, I got to go see it because I haven't seen it yet. Um, It's just a lot of fun. Let's see. Um, I would say, you know, how much I like the first Captain America movie. There are some similarities to that, which helps in its favor for me. But obviously, people are loving it, I think, for good reason. I think the third act is the weakest part, but especially the first hour to hour and a half. It's just just a nonstop fun. That's all I could say. Yeah, I mean, that's good that you liked it. Yeah. All right, I also watched The Lost City of Z, which is a movie people are raving about, uh, at least in like critic circles that I've been seeing. I have been feel like I've been hearing about this movie for six months to a year. I uh, finally got a chance to see it. I thought about reviewing it, having it be a main review, but after watching it, I'm not so sure because it's good. It's definitely good. I just don't know what I have much to say about it it's just it's kind of this epic where this guy is just constantly you know he's like nathan drake he from uncharted he's going out he's looking for these treasures or these people these islands and and it's kind of just the course of his life and how it's affecting his life back home it's really well done i don't completely understand the massive hype of people saying it's one of the best movies of the year i gave it like a seven and a half out of ten um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't don't have much to say about it. But I would recommend people check it out. Hmm. Is it uh, kind of like post-apocalyptic or... No, it's like um, uh, a biopic almost in a way. I don't know if it's based off a true story. 
or if it's just based off a book. But it's like I want to. I don't. I'm could be wrong, but I think it's like from the 30s to the 60s or something like that. It's like a span of time from the past, you know. Okay. It's really good. It's just <laughs> you know we have there are sometimes movies where you enjoy them, but to review it on the podcast, it's kind of like not much you can say. Yeah. I mean, you never know, though. Uh, maybe I can take a watch at it, take yeah. a look at it. You take a look. Let me know what you think. If you want to dive deeper into it, I'm certainly willing to do so. Um, you you got any more? I do. I watched S is for Stanley. Um, it was my documentary for the week. All right. Have you, have you heard of it? No, I haven't. It is, um, I'm not actually sure how well received it is, but I, th- I, I think um, the people that I talk to about about documentaries seem to like it. It is about Stanley Kubrick, who is one of my favorite directors. He's a genius. Um, and this, this documentary kind of shows it. And it, it, there's no, like, uh, real raw footage uh, of Stanley Kubrick. I mean, there's a little tiny bit. But it's actually told through his right-hand man. Now, Stanley Kubrick, uh, he was a very odd fellow, um, as most people know, but he had this helper, and this helper was a Italian, uh, I believe he's Italian, an Italian race car driver who he met and kind of just hired, and for about like 35 years or so, had him as his right-hand man, had him, I mean, you know, change a button on his coat to um, taking care of the most valuable props of sets uh, to helping him uh, bounce ideas off of for who should act in certain uh, movies. I mean, he did every last little thing for him. Um, he was his most trusted person. And so this guy knew, I mean, he just knows every little personable detail about Stanley Kubrick and tells all in this documentary. And it's mainly him just sitting in his garage telling these stories, and it's it's thousands of small little snippets. And I, it was so entrancing to watch. Okay. 99.9% of people I don't think would like this. Um, if you're a cinephile, you're probably going to. And then some other people might, just because this guy is so fascinating when he's talking. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed it. It was a great documentary. Oh, cool. See, I feel like that's something I would appreciate more as an audio podcast or something. Yes, 100%. There is no need for it to be a movie. You could, you could just turn it on like as you're laying down in bed, going to sleep kind of thing. Um, because it really is just all about the audio and these little tiny stories. There's really not much visual. Right, right. See, that's my problem with documentaries a lot of time. It's like I just get bored of staring at people as they talk. I'd rather put it in my headphones and I'll listen to it for like eight hours. But some yeah. kind of disconnect for me for some reason. So, But I'm glad to hear it's good. Have you heard of that um, Batman documentary with Bill Finger? or The guy who was the co-creator but never got credit until very recently? No, I, I haven't. I heard really good things about that, so you might want to huh. check it out. Yeah, maybe. All right, I got some more stuff. I got some more 2017 movies. 
I watched Colossal, the Anne Hathaway movie where she has a mental or some kind of connection to this kaiju monster that's raging destruction in Japan. Whenever she's at this playground at 8 a.m., whenever she's walking through this playground, the monster in Korea or Japan, that's racist that I, I think it's Japan, um, is mimicking her movements and knocking down buildings and all this stuff. And, and she's an ex-alcoholic who is working at this bar with her ex-boyfriend, I want to say, and he's kind of abusive towards her. And when he shows up at the park at the same time, he's this big mech monster that shows up in Japan doing similar type of things. And it, it's it's kind of weird, as you might imagine from what I've just said. But uh, it's not bad. A lot of people liked it better than I did. I gave it a 7 out of 10. It's worth checking out for the concept alone. Anne Hathaway does a great job. And if you want to see Jason Sudeikis, who's obviously normally just a funny guy in comedies... If you want to see him just be a complete dick, then uh, this is the movie for you. Now, is, it, is it very similar to Pacific Rim, but with a little bit more romance in it? It's or? not much romance. Um, it's more of a... I don't know. It's, it's a weird movie to categorize because there's some humor to it, but it's mostly just a drama, a quirky drama, I would say. Okay. I mean, yeah, Pacific Rim, obviously, a little bit of uh, similarities just because it's these monsters or these kaiju, but it's not used the same way. Okay. It's, hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you would like it, but it was interesting, at least. Uh, let's see. I watched Power Rangers. Did you? Yes. How was that? Uh, were you into Power Rangers as a kid? Uh, I used to watch the Power Ranger movie with Ivan Ooze every other weekend. So, All right. Well, I was a huge Power Rangers kid growing up. I mean, from season one, I was there. I was, I was not late to this bandwagon. I was there from the start. And so I, it's somewhere similar to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles where that – my love for Ninja Turtles definitely held up way better than my love for Power Rangers. But it was to that level for at least a certain amount of time in my childhood. So I had to check this out for nostalgia purposes. It's not good, but it could have certainly been worse than what they ended up with. I don't know if you saw that like short film that came out a few years ago. It was like super realistic, 10-15 minutes long. Like, R-rated Power Rangers short film. No. That was awesome to watch. I would recommend checking that out. But uh, this it feels like they kind of took at least the design of the costumes from that, maybe. I don't know. But as, as far as this movie, I get a five and a half out of ten. So, obviously, I didn't really like it. But it's not a good movie, but it does bring some nostalgia back with they used the song at one point that was awesome you got goldar as the main villain brian cranston is the big face guy zordon um let's see you got the zords that go into megazord i mean it's all there it's all blatantly trying to just redo things from the show 
Well, now, is this a rated R version or no? Is it... This is not. This okay. Mackenzie <laughs> liked it. Mackenzie was watching it with me. Really, she, she was so getting what, into it. In the trailer, it looked like they were going to go for like a hardcore. All of our fans are, you know, twenty years older, older. Um, so we're going to do a very hardcore version of the. It's more. I th- I would have liked that a lot better. I think that it's more of a young adult thing, going for that Hunger Games audience, that uh, transcendence. Okay. Uh, it's a little bit of, you know, there's insinuations or uh, innuendo, but not. It's definitely kid friendly. I would say. All right. All right. It's <laughs> if you got nothing else going on, it's good background noise. If if you were into Power Rangers. Hmm. Did you have anything else? Yeah. So this week and last week, I have watched a of Disney films. Okay. As I, I'm working at a summer camp, so we put on uh, films in, later on in the day. Um, and I have to say, now everyone always says, oh, back in my day we had the best cartoons and best movies or the best sports, blah, blah, blah. Our, our old movies are fantastic. They hold up. The Lion King is still just amazing. Um, even to like the little rascals we watch today, it's still good. I mean, and I'm not someone who is uh, no like nostalgic movies uh, or books or any of that kind of stuff. Nostalgia doesn't make something hold up for me. Uh, I remember we watched um, Jurassic Park. Now Jurassic Park is great, fantastic, right? But it's nowhere near as good as it was as when I was a kid. Um, but Lion King is like Lion King is that almost number one animated film. Um, I think we watched Toy Story last week. It's still just so great. Yep. And I, I actually did. I didn't even realize, but Toy Story um, was written by Joss Whedon, which that shocked me. Um, I didn't realize he was one of the main screenwriters for it. Um, but you can tell, like, it's just so great. The story is so fantastic. Um, but, so I, I, I watched a lot of Disney films, and they've been so great. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment. Obviously, with a five-year-old daughter and a two-year-old boy, I've been watching a lot of animated stuff, too. And I've been trying to, you know, get them to watch, or at least Mackenzie to watch, a lot of that classic Disney Pixar stuff. And it, it definitely holds up. The Incredibles is, dare I say oh, it, incredible. It really is. I, I think that's going to hold up for the next, like, 15, 20, 30 years. Yeah. It's that good. Yeah, I tend to agree. Oh, one last thing I wanted to say about Power Rangers before I forget is that I did you see Goosebumps from last year? No, I did not want to watch that. Oh, well, I felt very similarly to... Goosebumps as I did the Power Rangers. Both I think I gave five and a half out of ten where I expected it to be worse. Not good, but expected it to be worse. It still had its, you know its moments. Jack Black is kind of, Jack Black was in it, right? Yeah. He's kind of for some reason I'm kind of staying away from his movies for some reason. I'm gonna check out Jumanji. 
Uh, yeah, I'll, I'm gonna have to. That's another film we have watched three times this week. Did so. you see that trailer for, for the new one? I, I actually have not. You um, might want to avoid it. Really? I did not like what I saw because I, I, I it's completely different. Completely different. Yeah, it is. It is, and I liked the original a lot. So that was kind of disappointing, the direction they're going with it, but. You know, a tra- I think that's great though. I'd rather than go in a completely original, like way, because they're not going to be able to top the. I mean, save that thought until you watch the trailer. Really? All right. I I kind of want to say it, but I don't know if you want me to say it. Uh, I mean, you can. It's no longer a board game. All right, right there, you ruined it. <laughs> like, I don't want. I don't want to watch it. Anymore. Yeah, it's a video game. It's, they go into a video game and it's these teenage, these nerdy or this, you know, typical teenage stereotypes and they go into a video game and they're all like the rock is and Kevin Hart and Jack Black. They're avatars for these kids. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was really thrown off by it. It might be good. You never know. Yeah. You never know. I'll probably watch it, but <laughs> All right, uh, I got a couple more. I watched An American Werewolf in London, the classic 1978, I want to say, uh, special with, effects movie. With, uh, what's his name? Uh, was, it the, was it the guy from Caddyshack? I don't know. Um, I don't know who's in it. It was like an older movie, so I'm, let me look it up. How I mean, so how'd you like it while you're looking it up? It's directed by John Landis, starring David Naughton, Griffin Dunn. Is that who you're thinking of? I don't think so. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I liked it. I, I liked it a fair amount. It definitely doesn't hold up. In 1981, it was made. It doesn't hold up like visually as you might expect from a movie that was 35 years old, but uh, the transformation scene when the guy first turns into a werewolf, pretty awesome. Uh, I don't know how they were able to show the the gradual transformation with no CGI back in the day. Like That must have been a painstaking process, but it paid off. Uh, Putting layers of film over top of each other. Yeah, probably. probably. Man, jeez. But it's funny. It's... It's kind of scary at times. It's it's good. I would give it a a solid seven and a half out of ten. Recommend it if you haven't seen it, but it's not going to change your world. Okay. And like I said, I watched Shane, the movie that inspired Logan. And like I said, it was just an westerns to me. I feel like I mean I haven't seen a ton of them, but unless you're once a time in the west or or one of these classics. I feel like they all kind of blend together. They're all kind of long, drawn out, kind of dull and boring for the most part. With with good, like even Rio Bravo, I only gave like a seven or seven and a half. I, I don't know. Westerns, I like modern westerns a lot more than I like these classic westerns. Wow, okay. And um, I'll give it a six and a half out of ten. It was a good story. It was... For the most part, well done. Like, the kid actor, the little boy in his terrible. Um, 
but it, it could be a style thing back in the day, 1959. I don't know. It just didn't capture me, enrapture me. Uh, anything else that rhymes <laughs> with that? <laughs> Uh, statue me, um, yeah, six and a half out of ten. Uh, that's not too bad. I got a couple TV things. If you, right. if you have nothing else, I mean, yeah, I, it's only eleven thirty. We keep going. Keep going. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, I watched. I finished Fargo season three. Final episode was last week. How was the whole season? Have you seen any of these yet? I have not. Okay. Loved the first two seasons of Fargo. And Fargo Season 3 came out... It, this was the, this trifecta of amazing shows all coming back uh, in this, this past spring where Fargo, The Leftovers, and Better Call Saul were all airing at the same time. And The Leftovers, as I've talked about on here, is probably my favorite show of all time after this third and final wow. season. Uh, Better Call Saul is like so well made, probably the best you know filmmaking wise produced show on the air right now. Um, and then Fargo, which I love the first two seasons so much, and and the third season premiere was pretty darn good. And there was an episode early on uh, that I thought was incredible, and then it kind of faded in the background for me. It was like the last thing on my DVR every week. It was like, all right, I guess I'll watch this. And it's a shame that it got to that point. I still like the season, but definitely not as good as the first two seasons. I don't know if it was just because I'm comparing it to those other two shows that I loved or what, but I don't know. It just wasn't doing it for me. It was merely a good show, whereas it was one of the best shows before, I thought. Huh. Well, I could say Better Call Saul, I watched and I have loved every episode. Um, it's so well made. It really is. Um, and it's, and I can understand people saying, well, it's kind of boring. I mean, I don't feel like it is whatsoever for myself. Me either, yeah. Because it's just like, it's just so well made. Now, would you have watched Fargo if you never had saw the movie? I think I would because it's so critically sure. acclaimed. Yeah, I've <laughs> come on. I thought you myself was so well critically acclaimed. True, and, but who true. introduced you to that movie? All right, if you're trying to get it's like your number two or three movie of all time. Yeah, it's my uh, number four. But if uh, if you're just trying to get credit for this, then yeah, all right, fine. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I need it where I can get it. <laughs> yeah, I would like to think that I would check it out just because I try to watch the most critically acclaimed shows. When I can. Okay, I try. I try. I try. Can't get them all. There's so much stuff. Like, this could be one of our big topics we discussed, just the so much TV at all times. Mm. But speaking of, last week on Netflix, season one of a new show called Glow hit the, hit the web, and I binged it in two days. I watched the whole season. Uh, have you heard of this? I have heard of it. Um, I'm not sure what it's about. Is it about, like, the 70s? 70s disco era? It is absolutely not. It is... Uh, okay. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> it is... Uh, it's based off a real show called Glow, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. It's like the mid-80s where this TV network uh, casted uh, a television show where it was all female wrestlers. They all had their own gimmick. And this is basically 
It stars Alison Brie from Mad Men and Community as Ruth, who in the very first episode, she cheats on her best or she uh, she's single. She has sex with her best friend's husband, and they kind of have a falling out. Meanwhile, she's also trying out for all these jobs and not getting them, and then she goes to this wrestling thing, and it goes on from there with this whole cast of characters comes in. And Mark Marin, comedian and famous podcaster, is awesome in this show. He plays like the director or the coach. He's the one putting it all together. He's crass. He's a train wreck. He's constantly putting everyone down. And uh, it's just hilarious while doing so. I, I didn't love the show, even though I binged it. It's very good. I would recommend it. At least watch an episode or two to see if you like it. It's definitely something different. It's produced by the woman who created Orange is the New Black. So it's kind of another show where it's a bunch of women getting a chance to perform and a lot of them do a really great job. I think right now I have it maybe seventh in my, uh, you know, top ten shows of the year so far. Uh, seventh is too bad, especially you watch enough that seventh makes it. Yeah, good. and this has been such a good year for TV. Yeah. So, mm. are you interested? Are you going to check it out? I I probably won't. Um... Only because I have I have a couple loose ends for some shows. Rectify, I need to finish the last couple episodes of uh, the last season that came out. Incredible Kimmy Schmidt, I'm almost done. Unbreakable? Season. Unbreakable, sorry. Um, and so the, there's a couple other ones that I just need to, to finish. And I, 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 I shouldn't start a new one until I'm done them. That's fair. Um, and the thing I like about Glow, and as well as the next show I'll talk about, is that it's only half an hour long episodes, so it's real easy to get through. Ned, should you rather watch a half an hour show than an hour? I wouldn't. I actually prefer an hour long show, but I don't mind it when it's half an hour long and I can binge a season in five hours. Yeah. It just makes it easier sometimes. I mean, I'm about to start in probably the next two weeks. Modern Family, and uh, I'm kind of glad that it's 30-minute episodes. Yeah. Why are so, you doing that? Because it's one of the funniest shows ever. So, But you've never seen it. I have seen about three episodes. I'll say the first season or two, maybe season and a half, very, very, very good. After really? that, I, I stopped halfway through the third season. Mm. It kind of falls I mean, off a cliff for me, but... And we'll see. I, like I said, I've watched three episodes, so when I say it's the funniest show ever, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, At the time, when it first started, it definitely was. But another show. <laughs> uh, another show. Another show. Yeah, I've been busy. I've been busy the past week or so. Uh, Red Oaks. We're not busy enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Red Oaks, the Amazon show. I feel like I talked about the pilot with you way back three years ago. Um, this was the David Gordon Green, I think, directed the first episode. And then it was greenlit for season one. I liked the pilot, but I never followed up and watched the first season. Now I think season three is about to come out. So I am I watched the first season and a half so far. I remember done uh, catching up the first two seasons. 
And uh, it's a good show. And again, 25-minute episodes. That helps. It's just, especially for a comedy, you get in, you get out. I love it. Comedy is the best in 30 minutes. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I would say the first season was great. The second season so far I'm not liking quite as much, but still enjoying the show. And lastly, Big Brother 19 started this week. Oh, you did it? Yeah, Big Brother oh, 19. I'm going to have to start watching it again. You should, you should. Uh, seems like a good cast. It's all 16 new players and one returning player. All right, why one? Like, uh, I don't know. Do none. <laughs> the, normally, I would hate this. I, I either want no returning players or all returning players, typically. Yes. But since there was going to be one, and I guess, you know, I got no control over it. At least they picked a good one. It was, uh, I don't know if you watched last season. I did not. Okay, it was my favorite person from last season who got robbed, got second place, lost a 4-3 to three vote to a returning player last season. Uh, Paul, he's hilarious, great character. Uh, they brought him back. He's a lot of fun. I don't think he's going to, like, dominate the season strategically. He definitely has some strategy to him, but he's more of just a, a fun character. So, if they're going to bring someone back, they brought back the right guy, at least. And, uh, yeah, I like the new cast a lot. Seems like there's a lot of potential here. Uh, live feeds just started last night. I tried to stay up till 1 in, 1 in the morning to see the start of the live feeds, but I fell asleep. And, um, yeah, I am super excited for uh, Big Brother to be back. That's awesome. Yeah, I wish... Uh... Wish I would have known. So there's only one episode out, right? There's been two. There was a two-hour premiere on Wednesday, and then an episode, an hour-long episode on Thursday. Okay, I'm looking at the um, what do you call it? The cast right now. It does seem like a diverse group. Yeah, they, a little bit more so than normal, and especially the older contestants. Right. Yeah. Age seem like they might have a chance. Yeah. There's actually. This older guy. I mean, usually there's <laughs> there's like a bunch of twenty year olds and then a guy in his late thirties or something. Uh, yeah, there is a little more diversity as far as age goes in this cast. It's still white as a ghost, but oh yeah, I have noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, at least age wise, it's a little bit better than it has been. I mean, I don't know what to say about the casting department of Big Brother. They usually come away with like two or three good players, and that's about it. But could be a little more this time, so we'll Let's see. Like the, so the nerdy guy uh, got voted out right away, unlike previous pre previous seasons. How do you know uh, that? I, it says it on their website. Oh man! Yeah, so now I'll have to watch the first episode. <laughs> there you go. You still should, but yeah, it comes back on Sunday night, three nights a week. It's it's summer long adventure. I'll definitely have to take a look. All right, let's get to our brand new segment. We kicked out the news years ago. We're kicking out trailers. Well, we don't know exactly what we're doing, but what we do know is we've got one last thing, TM, for you. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but uh, we're still trying to go with a name. Right now we're going with one last thing, but if you got something better, please tweet at us, email us, send us your thoughts. Um, we're basically just going to do... Each pick one thing out from the news or a trailer, uh, a topic of discussion, anything that you just want to bring up and see how far it goes before we get out of here. What yeah. Do you, what do you think uh, of I'm this idea? I'm excited for it. Yeah. Um, 
I think the news segment when I was here was kind of bland and we, it was very slow. You would say something or I would say something. We just didn't really have much of a discussion. Yeah, it was basically just um, bullet points, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and I, I know you guys have been doing trailers and I think trailers can work. Um, I'm not the biggest trailer type person. Uh, I, I know you are, but... Honestly, I could go either way. Like... I, I enjoy watching trailers, but I've also gone years without watching a single trailer, so I could go either way on that. Mm. But I think this could be exciting, depending. I can also see where it might fail miserably, like the new segment. Yeah. So, hey. We'll see. You never know till you try. Yeah. So, you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Like I got to Google uh, something. All right. So, um, my topic of discussion, and... I almost fear it's kind of localized, but it's not because uh, the couple other states around us that I've been to recently within the last two to three years, uh, and even more recently, uh, have I've noticed this trend at every movie theater I've gone to. We, uh, our movie theaters, used to be back in the 30s and 40s, theaters, housing two, three hundred people, sometimes going up into the five, six hundred uh, seat range. Now, typically, uh, it's around maybe 150 or so, and it is rapidly decreasing. Around us, uh, we have a theater uh, in, you know, the Towson Theater, Bob. Uh, there's a new theater in Dundalk. There's theaters everywhere now that are having maybe 50 seats in them, and they're all reclining. They're all um, very Leather. cushiony and large, and it's catering towards people uh, who want to be more comfortable and don't want to be crowded with 150 other people. Now, I'm just wondering, how is this going to affect the movie industry? Um, decreasing the amount of ticket sales while making the experience possibly more enjoyable. I love it. Do you? Yes. I just recently, on Father's Day, I went to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 at White Marsh Lowe's um, AMC Theater. And I had no idea they were doing these renovations. I mean, the last time I'd, I guess it had been a while. So we get there, and there's these new recliner leather seats with tons of room. I'm, like, comfortable as I've ever been watching a movie. I mean, we got this new theater in Falston um, that's got a similar thing with uh, reserve seating, and it's kind of got tiers where the seats in the back are the full recliner, tons of room, drink holder, food tray, and the ones towards the front are a little bit, you know, more traditional. But mm-hmm. I I do love it. Just personally, I <laughs> I don't get to the movies that often, so the ticket prices are only getting higher. And if I'm paying that kind of money, I don't want to be in this dirty, old-looking seat that could have bed bugs crawling all over it. And I want to be comfortable. I want to be treated like a king. And I think it's actually smart. I think they're trying to cut ahead of where the trends are going, where it already is less and less people going to the theaters. So why not, you know, make the people that are going to be there more comfortable more willing to come back maybe convince people that have stopped going to go because it's more of an experience than just a 
you know, I'll get through this so I can see this movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm a big fan of it. So, yeah, I, I do think uh, it is becoming more of an experience, though obviously there is a separation between the theater owners and the studios. So I don't think the, the quality of movies uh, or the experience of movies is going to change too much. Uh, or maybe I shouldn't say experience, but the quality of movies aren't going to change too much. Uh, I'm someone who actually hates going to theaters because I hate other people. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like... I don't like make I don't like when people make noises. I don't like when people have grubby fingers inside of their candy bags and crumpling as much as they possibly can, talking to their neighbors, pulling out their phones so lights are you know blaring in my eyes. I don't even like people laughing in a comedy. Like I just don't. I like pure silence when I watch a film. Um, and so I thought, you know what? This is going to change that. That this is going to make only the people who really care kind of go to these things because there's only going to be 50 seats. you got to get there very, very early to get your seat now. Um, well, and reserved. so people who don't care as much are not going to, are, are not going to go there. They might go to the, the, the $3 movies when it comes out later or something like that. And, and, cause this, and like I said, I thought this was going to be a, a local trend. It's actually not. I mean, up in Connecticut, this is happening. All their theaters seem to be changing. I mean, all of ours are. Um, pretty much every single one around us is changing. In Virginia, they're changing. In Pennsylvania, um, the areas I went up there, uh, the couple of theaters, they're changing to, to this style. And so I thought it was going to be a good thing, like you said. It's not. Uh, the last one I went to... The kids were just, you know, reclining up and down, up and down, up and down. They didn't want to watch the movie. And it, it could just be this one time. But I just hate the movie theater experience. It sucks. Yeah. I I, I like these chairs. Like, it's great. It's fantastic. Uh, but the people are not changing. People are still going to be rude and bring babies in and have them cry during the most dramatic part. Like, it's just, ugh. Yeah, unfortunately, you can't upgrade the customers. Uh, that's why I, I like going to matinees. Earlier, the better. Like, on Father's Day, we went to the 9.30 a.m. showing. And we were, it was actually a little busier than I thought it would be. But, you know, it was definitely sparse. I like that these new seats, they give you that little bit of extra space. So it's slightly less annoying. But even so, if you got a bad person next to you, it's not going to be... Uh, that much better yeah but yeah. And, and these shows are going to sell out so fast now oh yeah yeah and, but the nice thing about certain ones like at least around us in, in dundalk they have a sign seating which is fantastic for someone like me because i'll typically get there three hours early uh for star wars i think i got there five hours early um because i want that amazing seat now you go there you pick out your seat then you can leave Come back when the movie's ready to start. Um, you don't have to wait in line anymore for certain theaters. And that, to me, is how it should have been from the very start. Yeah. It's perfect. You should try. I know it's a little bit of a hike, but Falston Theaters, I buy tickets the night before or two days before, reserve seats, pick my seat, pay for it, don't have to worry about it. Show up exact time the movie starts. That sounds so perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's a little bit more expensive, but... 
to me, it's worth that couple extra dollars. Yeah. All right. So that was a good topic. Good start. Mine's probably going to be a bit of a disappointment after that. (laughs) But I wanted to talk about... Sometimes we do video game episodes on here. We've done three so far. We just recently did three hours and 15 minutes on E3 2017 a couple weeks ago. It was a ton of fun. I definitely recommend it if you're interested to check it out. But a bit of news this past week came out on the video game front. I don't know if you ever played or had the NES Classic that came out a year or two ago, but they announced the SNES Classic Mini. Yes, yep, yes. Uh, I did hear about this, and now they have two controllers instead of one, like the NES that yeah. had one. So that's a great upgrade. Now you're going to have two. Um, yeah, also, just uh, there's only 21 games for 80 bucks, which I mean, it's about $5 a game. Which, which I think is okay, especially because, I don't know, maybe you're going to get to this. Yes. But. They picked the, the best possible 21 games you could think of. Well, that and they have a never-released official version of Star Fox 2. Yes. That, yes. That's probably going to make me buy it because I love Star Fox. And I would love to play the sequel that I never got to play. <laughs> I and love... That's so incredible. See? And so genius. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I just traded in my old Super Nintendo when I bought my PS4 in January. And I want to buy this. <laughs> and I literally just got rid of my Super Nintendo because, like, half of these games are games that I love and would love to play again. And half are ones that I've heard so much about, people raving about, and I just never got a chance to play. I just want to run down this list real quick because it's incredible list of games here. Contra 3, The Alien Wars, Donkey Kong Country, Earthbound, which I've heard so much about, like is an iconic game, but I've never played that. Final Fantasy 3, F-Zero, I've never played. Kirby Superstar, Kirby's Dream Course, Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, one of the best games ever made in my opinion. Mega Man X, again, one of my favorite games of all time. Secret of Mana, great RPG. Star Fox, never played it. Never played, obviously I never played Star Fox 2, but I've never played a Star Fox game, and obviously they're iconic. Uh, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Super Castlevania 4, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, Super Mario Kart, Super Mario RPG, which, that is an awesome game. Super Mario World, obviously classic. Super Metroid, another classic. Super Punch-Out, and Yoshi's Island. I mean, that that is just incredible. It is. That is a great list of games. Um, and the NSC, uh, when they released that, did so, so well. And people were actually so upset because they could have kept releasing more. Right. Uh, but they stopped production. And people and still I, couldn't find them. Yeah. And um, I didn't say it's going to do so well. They're, Nintendo is such a great company when it comes to to. To, to marketing ideas like this. Yeah, and what do you think that $80 is fair? Oh, it's more than fair. It's way... I thought it was going to be in, into the hundreds. I thought it was maybe 120 100 to 150 <laughs> um, Is it $80 enough games? $80 is more than fair. Enough games? Oh, yeah. I think so. I mean, that'll, that'll keep you busy a while. And the only... Like, I'm ready to pre-order it the second it's possible to, but 
the one thing I heard that was a kind of a good point against it was why are, are they not offering this as a digital bundle on the Switch or the Wii U? Like, why wouldn't they just offer this digitally as well for the same because price? It, take, it takes it away. Uh, I mean, right now they can sell... So would, would you really pay $80 for the games without the console? I'd rather just, like, a la carte $5 each and pick the ones I want, right? And play, like, on a different system where right, it doesn't right. feel nostalgic? True, I, true. I, don't, I think most people go, no. I mean, right now you can get those emulators and get those games. So, I mean, you can do that. I mean, not uh, maybe not officially through Nintendo, but you can get these games. They know that. This is all about playing on the system, playing these games like you did back however many years ago. Um, so that, I mean, in my opinion, that would be the reason why they're not doing that is why would they? You can do, if you want, if, if someone wants to get those games digitally right now, then go for it. They're yeah, out there. That's true. You can do it. That's true. But wasn't the Switch supposed to get the virtual console anyway where you can buy these old games? I, I I don't know that. Yeah. And maybe eventually, uh, maybe that's. I mean, but right now, the games coupled with the system is what's going to sell. True, I true. Think. I just I want to get a switch too, so I kind of would just prefer to eventually get a switch and then get this bundle on that, as opposed to having to hook up two different things to my TV. You know, the less things I have to hook up to the TV, the better, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, with the Switch, I think it it, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be... It's doing amazing, and it's going to continue to. The games, uh, the game ARMS seems to be really, really popular, which was, like, people were kind of iffy on whether it was going to do well or not, and it looks like it is. And, of course, so. Breath of the Wild, people are saying maybe one of the best games ever. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I want to get it, and Mackenzie has started to show some interest in video games she was playing the the Lego movie game a couple times a couple weeks ago and just she had fun just look how many coins I got look how many coins I got so I want to try to you know I feel like the Switch would be a good starter system for kids yeah a nice handheld system yeah. uh, that can convert and even Brady was playing uh, I don't know if you heard of it Abzu no this game where you're you're just a scuba diver basically swimming around in the water that's pretty much the entire game. He was just holding the controller, making the guy move. Mm. So, he's in, man. He's in. And we are out. We are done. That's an episode. Welcome back. Had a lot it's of fun. good to be back. Yes, good to have you back. Um, let's see. How do we do this again? Um, in theaters right now, coming out this weekend, Baby Driver, your fifth and final box office draft selection. Hits the road, and so does Despicable Me Three and your reserve selection, The House. So you are really all in <laughs> at the yeah. start of July. But I mean, I, I think a lot of my movies—they have a lot more money to make. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You're looking good, and I think on the next podcast uh, we might be reviewing Life, the sci-fi movie with Jake Gyllenhaal, Ryan Reynolds, and maybe Free Fire coming up, um, action gun movie with. Some actors I can't remember, so just stay tuned. We'll be back. Email us, theredboxreport at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at theredboxreport. I'm on Twitter at the Oriole Report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. 
subscribe to our YouTube channel. And uh, uh, my PlayStation Network username is the Red Box Report. Uh, you got anything? Um, no, I not at all, not anymore. I I got rid of all of it. So <laughs> as always, you want to get to Casey, you get to him through me. Yes, as always. But, as always, <laughs> have a great day. We'll see you later. I focus on the pain. The only thing that's real. The needle tears a hole. The old familiar sting. Try to kill it all away. But I remember everything. What have I become? My sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away in the air And you could have it all My empire of dirt Upon my liar's chair Full of broken thoughts I cannot repair Beneath the stains of time The feelings disappear You are someone else I am still right here What have I become? My sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away in the end And you could have it all